The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, Executive Vice President of External Affairs here at the Cancer Support Community, filling in for Kim Tebaldo, who is the President and CEO, and will be joining you next week. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at 170 locations worldwide, online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org, and by telephone helpline at 888-793-9355. Saturday, November the 15th, marked the first day of the 2015 open enrollment period for health insurance in the state's health insurance marketplace, or frequently called the exchanges. This period ends on February the 15th, 2015 for anyone who is at risk for cancer, living with cancer, or is a cancer survivor, there are certain things to consider when looking for a new plan or looking to change plans. But most importantly, that deadline needs to be on your radar screen. Today, we're going to be talking about what you need to know during this year's open enrollment period, what resources are available to help choose the plan that is most adequate to meet your health needs and where you might go for additional support or to have your questions answered. So here to talk with us today is Monica Bryant and Elizabeth Hoffler. Monica Bryant is the Operating Officer of Triage Cancer, which is a nonprofit organization that provides education and resources on the entire continuum of cancer survivorship. Issues for cancer survivors, caregivers, and healthcare professionals. Monica is a cancer rights attorney, speaker, and author, and is dedicated to improving access to and availability of quality information on a variety of healthcare related issues. Monica, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me again. Elizabeth Hoffler, MSW, is um, the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy at the Prevent Cancer Foundation, one of our Breakaway from Cancer partners, um, a national nonprofit organization which seeks to save lives through cancer prevention and early detection. Elizabeth engages lawmakers, policymakers, key opinion leaders, and grassroots advocates to stop cancer before it starts through the promotion of issues such as cancer research funding, patient access, and health care equity. Elizabeth is a professional social worker and was previously the special assistant, special assistant to the chief executive officer of the National Association of Social Workers in Washington, D.C. Thank you for being here, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me, Linda. So let's get started with an overview for our listeners. Monica, can we start with you? And can you just talk about um, open enrollment? How does it work and who is impacted by it? 
Sure. So open enrollment is really just a term that we use for a specific period of time during the year where individuals can shop for insurance, change plans, buy new plans for any reason. They don't have to have any sort of life-changing event. This is their time to really um, explore the marketplace. And so in terms of who it affects, it's going to affect anyone who's looking for health insurance. So either people who are employed and not offered insurance through their job or perhaps people who aren't happy with their insurance through their employer. Um, Really, we're talking about anyone who needs health insurance. And when you say marketplace, you know, can you just talk a little bit about what what you're really meaning by that? You state-based marketplaces that were established during the the Affordable Care Act. What is, explain that to the the layperson. So the Affordable Care Act, created these marketplaces, as you alluded to, sometimes they're referred to as exchanges. And really what they are is they're shopping malls, for lack of a better description, for health insurance. So they're a place where individuals can go and look at their various options for health insurance in their areas. Now, marketplaces are going to be, are going to depend on your state. And in some states, they're run by the state itself. And in some states, they're going to be run by the federal government. Really, what's fantastic about these marketplaces is in order to sell insurance, private companies, so we're talking about the Aetna's and the Blue Crosses of the world, had to apply for their products to be sold in the marketplaces. And in order to be accepted, they had to meet some minimum standards. So there's some quality control involved in what's being sold. But it's really important for people to realize that this is not government insurance. This is the same old insurance that you've always been purchasing. It's just being presented to you in a different way and sold to you through these new sorts of malls. So in addition to quality control and some standardization of how information is presented to folks, There's also potentially some financial assistance options for people. And so financial assistance is based on somebody's income level and family size. And so for more information about all of this, people can always start at healthcare.gov and then put in their state and they'd be redirected to whatever website was most appropriate for them. And when you talk about some of the quality pieces that are put in place with each of the exchanges or some of the mandates that exist um, for health insurance companies on the marketplaces. Can you just remind our listeners what some of those are? Sure. So the Affordable Care Act says that in order to be sold in the marketplace, plans have to cover uh, 10 categories of essential health benefits. So we're talking about things like ambulatory care, prescription drugs, ER visits, doctor's visits. So the idea is to make sure that what's being sold in the marketplace is really adequate health insurance, because what we were seeing in the past is that a lot of people, once they were diagnosed with something like a serious illness like cancer, even though they had health insurance, they were ending up having to file bankruptcy because their health insurance wasn't adequate. So the marketplaces are designed to only sell products where, only sell products that are in fact quality. There's also some other things like standardized summary of benefits and coverage. So again, all of the information has to be presented to you in the same way. But if you're comparing plans across different health insurance companies, it's presented to you in the same way and you can really compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. 
Additionally, all of the plans have to be presented as a standardized cost share. So cost share is the difference between what the health insurance company is responsible for paying for and what the consumer is responsible for paying for. And there's four different levels, four basic levels in the marketplaces. And so it's bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Bronze plans are going to be plans where the health insurance company pays 60% and the consumer pays 40%. And it goes up by 10 to platinum where the company pays 90% and the consumer pays 10% once they hit that deductible. So those are just some examples of the things that all of the plans in the marketplace have to comply with in order to be able to be sold in the marketplaces. Great. Thank you. Um, Elizabeth, I would like for you, if you would please, to... To, to expand upon the um, the description that Monica just gave about the plans, you know, can you give us an uh, an overview of what are those plans? There are different there are different levels, and what do those levels mean to people? Sure. So Monica gave a great description of what those different they're called metal tier plans would look like in terms of the cost sharing, and that's what she was discussing when she said sixty forty or ninety ten. And basically, those plans go from, as she mentioned, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and then, of course, there's also catastrophic coverage, which um, I know Monica agrees with me on this because I've heard her say it before. If For anyone who's at risk of cancer or who has cancer, they definitely do not want to think about catastrophic coverage because it's basically just a safety net, and it's not going to provide a whole lot of care. So I'm going to take that one out of the equation, but I wanted to mention that it is an option for people who that might make sense. But again, it's not the greatest option for folks who are at risk for cancer or who have cancer. Elizabeth, other- I'm just going to interrupt you quickly. So when, when you're saying catastrophic, you're saying catastrophic only. That's not something that people can add to a plan. Right. When I'm referring okay. to it as something that you're, you should not be getting, it's catastrophic mm-hmm. only. Some, I know some private insurers offer catastrophic in addition to the regular plan. But when I say, you know, stay, steer clear of the catastrophic coverage, that's as the only plan that you would be uh, purchasing. Great. Thank you. Sure. So the other plans, again, starting with bronze, bronze is going to offer the lowest premium. And when we say premium, that is what the individual would pay per month for that plan. So for the bronze, you're going to have the lowest premium. It's going to cost the least amount on a monthly basis, but you're going to have the highest deductible. Um, And the deductible is the amount that you owe before your plan will pay. So for instance, if your deductible is $1,000, you're going to have to pay up to $1,000 and then your plan would kick in to cover the costs. So again, in terms of cost, bronze is going to be lowest out of pocket monthly, but you're going to have a much higher deductible. And the maximum deductible under health insurance exchange plans is $6,000. So with most of those bronze plans, you're going to see that $6,000 deductible. And then it goes up from there. So silver would offer you a little bit higher premium, so you'd be paying a little bit more out of cost, but the deductible would be a little bit lower. And then gold, it goes up another notch. And then platinum, you're going to be paying the highest premium, which is where um, those numbers that Monica was talking about came from. So say your premium is several hundred dollars per month, but it's going to offer you the lowest deductible. So it's going to have, you know, in terms of the, the amount that you have to pay before the health care fully kicks in, you're going to have a much lower rate. So 
if folks can afford it, especially people dealing with serious illnesses that they know they're going to have to pay a significant amount of money for health care, they're going to want to look at a higher metal tier. And that is challenging for some people who are having, you know, high out-of-pocket costs and, and high costs overall. But in the end, you know, you sort of have to weigh the cost and uh, the cost-benefit analysis in terms of what makes the most sense for you. And that's going to cover all of the costs that you'll have, especially when you're talking about people dealing with cancer because of, you know, sometimes the really high out-of-pocket and cancer care costs that go along with that. But again, when we talk about the metal tiers, they go from bronze up to platinum, and it's the difference in the cost between each of those. Great. Thank you. And we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the subsidies and uh, the the tiers. I think it's really important information for people. Um, But before we go, in case we lose anyone on the break, which I hope we don't because we're coming back with really valuable information, um, tell us again how long is this year's open enrollment period, and is there still time to enroll if you haven't already done so? Sure. The open enrollment period, it started on November 15th, so we are sitting right in the middle of it, and it closes on February 15th. So as you mentioned, Linda, February 15th is the most important date for people to remember. There's still a couple of months left in order to shop around, see if there's a plan that you would like. And this is equally important for people who currently are enrolled in an insurance exchange plan and who might be thinking about changing their plans because they can do that right now too. So we have a couple of months left. And yes, if folks still want to enroll in a new insurance exchange plan and haven't done so, they should definitely make plans to do so before February 15th. Great. Thank you. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Lilly Oncology and Onyx Pharmaceuticals, an Amgen subsidiary. We have got to take a quick commercial break, but we'll hear more from our guests when we return. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Train, sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org.
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for Kim Tibolo. And we are lucky to be speaking with Monica Bryant, who is the CEO, COO of Triage Cancer, and Elizabeth Hoffer, who is the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. We're really trying to boil down what you need to know about this year's open enrollment period for buying health insurance coverage on the or in the marketplaces. Um, Elizabeth, before we went to break, you did a beautiful job walking our listeners through the different types of plans available. And you had mentioned that those plans vary in pricing um, and whether it's a premium pricing or whether it's a higher copay. But can you just speak a little bit to the subsidies that may be available for patients and how they should really take a, a look at those when they're thinking about the overall equation? Sure, Linda, and thank you for that question because I think that subsidies are one of the most important components of the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Subsidies are the money that's available from the government to help folks pay for their new health insurance. So we know that people who are not going to be purchasing health insurance may be faced with fees for not doing so. And the opposite side of that is that if folks do choose to purchase health insurance on either a federal or state exchange, they could potentially qualify for subsidies. So basically, they would get money from the government to help them pay for their plans. And we've seen some folks who have... um, taken advantage of these subsidies, purchased their health care plan, and paid less than $100 a month for health care, and perhaps even lower than that because the subsidies in many cases are generous. So what those look like, people who are below a certain income, and this is also based on the number of people in their particular household. Um, so for instance, if you are a single person and you earn between $11,670 all the way up to $29,175, you could qualify for lower premiums and lower out-of-pocket costs. And those numbers just continue to go up from there. So I'm going to use the family of four example. You can earn between about 23000 all the way up to almost $60,000. So I think that one of the biggest misnomers about um, the Affordable Care Act and the new health care exchanges are that people are being forced to purchase care that they might not necessarily be able to afford. But luckily, that's where the subsidies come in. And they're so critically important because they offer fairly generous benefits. They go up to a decent income bracket. And especially when you factor in the number of folks in your household, whether you're a single, a couple, or you have several children, you can uh, go up to a certain amount of money and get that money from the government to help pay for those out-of-pocket costs as well as the premium. So it's one of the things we are seeing people not take advantage of, even though they're out there, they're available. And I think it's just a matter of public education and helping people understand the money that's available a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Which is really helpful to, to people. Thank you so much. Um, sure. Monica, we are about halfway through this open enrollment period, although we have a year under our belt now with you know, the, the open enrollment period that started a year ago. You know, is there anything that we've learned over the past year or differences to last year as people are thinking about their experience? Well, I think certainly the biggest change has been the website worked this year. So that's something to be very excited about. 
Um, if you remember, open enrollment last year started off with some significant technology problems that we haven't really been hearing um, a huge amount about this year. I'll also say that the good news is that they shortened the application significantly this year. So there's, if, if somebody's applying online, there's a you know significantly fewer number of screens people have to go to to actually do their application. And then I think, as Elizabeth alluded to, the public education component has been really important. So I think people are a little bit more aware of what's what the marketplaces are. They kind of have this idea that there might be some sort of financial something there, um, but really the devil's in the details. And so we do still have some work to do in terms of making sure people really understand all of the great benefits and options that they have and make sure that they're accessing things like the financial assistance that, that they're eligible for. Well, and Elizabeth, as a person who's on the front lines um, seeing patients every day or hearing from patients every day, have you heard of any specific challenges that, that people have faced when enrolling? And what are those, if you have? Sure. I think um, the biggest challenge facing people who are interested in purchasing health insurance on the exchanges, um, just like Monica said, is basically an overall confusion. And I think that's to be expected. I don't think we should be particularly disheartened by that because we have totally revamped the American healthcare system. That's not going to be without a few hiccups along the way. And when Monica talked about the technology, clearly we launched the website, uh, and by we, I mean President Obama and, and the Department of Health and Human Services services launched the website, and there were some hiccups because we're trying to take care of as many people in the United States who need health care coverage as possible. So I think that confusion is warranted. I think it's to be expected, but I also think we're seeing a decline in that. With the programs that are available to help educate people about health insurance exchanges, I think people are probably more aware of insurance terminology than they probably ever have been in the past, which frankly is a good thing. I think, you know, educating the public and helping them to understand their options is a really, really important component of this. Um, another piece that's a challenge, and I think this is particularly important when talking about folks dealing with cancer, whether they're at risk for it, whether they have cancer, or whether their loved ones have cancer, is that selecting a plan solely based on cost is not is certainly not the only consideration to be thought about. Um, we really need to think about what services are provided under the plan, if their doctors, physicians, healthcare providers are provided underneath that plan. And so I think within the first open enrollment, we probably saw a lot of people selecting plans solely based on cost. And we may see within the second open enrollment, people who decided, hey, that didn't cover my needs. And so maybe I need to rethink that. So, you know, again, that confusion and the need for public education, which I think groups and organizations and individuals like patient navigators have done a really good job attempting to educate others about. And then picking the plans based on cost is not necessarily the best option. So, so why don't you stay on that theme just a little bit uh, longer, Elizabeth, and um, specifically what type of services should people think about when they're thinking about shopping for coverage on a marketplace? Sure. Um, excuse me. Monica talked about the essential health benefits, which I think are really critical, and they're included in every insurance exchange plan. 
But when we talk about things like prescriptions being covered or uh, physicians being covered, you know, there's more to think about going into that than just saying, okay, prescriptions, check, that's good. Especially when you're dealing with cancer, you need to make sure that your prescriptions are covered. Is your chemotherapy covered? Um, you know, in terms of imaging, in terms of surgery, if you need a reconstructive surgery after breast cancer, is that going to be covered? Uh, mental health services. So to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the different pieces that are covered under plans, it's not just the cost works for me, the essential health benefits work for me, I'm good to go, sign off and, and keep it moving. It's really important to dive into exactly what your needs are. And I know we'll talk about this later in the discussion in, sh in terms of tools that can help people decide that, but I think it's critical to go into the process fully prepared. It's not something that you can just log on to the insurance exchange website, hope for the best, and look at because it's really complicated. So I think that being as prepared as possible, understanding the choices that you'll have to make and the decisions, the information you need to make those decisions is really important, and I know we'll cover some of that later on. Mm -hmm. And that's a great teaser for uh, our listeners to know um, to please hang on and, and stay with us. We're going to be covering some specific resources to help them as they make their decisions later in, in the show. Monica, I am just wanted to touch base with you and, and ask if you enrolled in a marketplace plan last year, is there anything that you need to do differently this year or are you set? Do you need to, do you need to re-enroll? Do does it automatically roll over? What do people need to think about? So if people were enrolled for 2014, the government would actually automatically re-enroll you as of December 15th. However, even if you were automatically enrolled, you still have until the end of open enrollment to finalize your decision. So that's February 15th again. And I do recommend, even if people loved the plan that they had last year and didn't have any complaints, it's not a bad idea to take a little bit of time and look through your state's marketplace to see if any additional or new products have been added because we saw quite a few new policies be added for this uh, upcoming year. So it could be that there's something better for you that better meets your needs like Elizabeth was just talking about. Um, also, it's really important for everybody to make sure that the financial information that they've included in the marketplaces is up to date. So everybody who's applied through a marketplace has to include the information about their household size and their income level to help make determinations about those financial assistance options that we were talking about earlier. So if there's been any changes in your financial status or in your household over the last year, it's incredibly important to make sure that that information is up to date in the marketplace so that you can make sure you're getting an accurate amount of financial assistance. Because if you end up getting too much or more than you were entitled to, the government is entitled to ask for that back at the end of the year. And so, again, it's just sort of being a smart consumer to make sure that all of that information is up to date so that you are getting the best product for you and making sure that you're getting the best financial assistance you're eligible for. Great. So let me, I'm going to repeat back to you what I think, what I think I heard you say. So if, if, if I enrolled in a, let's say a silver plan last year and I love my silver plan, if I do absolutely nothing, I will automatically be re-enrolled in the same silver plan this year. Correct? Correct. But, so here's the but, but 
we don't recommend that anyone do that. We would still like for them to go back and make sure that all of their information is accurate and updated and that they take a look at what may have changed in either their plan or the other plans because, in fact, they may be able to upgrade um, in some way. Exactly. And it might be that at the end of all of that, they determine, nope, the silver plan that I'm in is still the best for me. But what we're just really encouraging is for people to be good consumers, just like you would be if you were buying a car or a TV or anything else we would buy out in the world, Um, and just to make sure that they're really getting the best product for them. Great. Thank you for that. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. This episode is sponsored in part by Amgen Oncology and Bristol-Myers Squibb. We have to take another quick commercial break, but we will be back with more on the open enrollment period and tools for evaluating insurance plans when you are impacted by cancer. Please join us after the break. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Kim Tibaldo, who will be back with you next week. Today, we are talking about tools that you can use to navigate open enrollment. 
with Monica Bryant, who is the COO of Triage Cancer, and Elizabeth Hoffler, who is the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy um, at the Prevent Cancer Foundation. And we've had such a great conversation about the marketplaces. What are they? What are the plans? How can you enroll? What we haven't really yet talked about are the resources available to our listeners. And Elizabeth, I'd like to start with you. Um, I know that you talked earlier about some of the the challenging decisions that people have to make, and um, they might be confused about what do I really need, what's available to me, how do I, you know, match these pieces up. Um, can you speak about um, the tool called the Cancer Insurance Checklist that I know you were um, instrumental in bringing to patients about a year ago as that tool's being relaunched? Can you just uh, speak to our listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. The Cancer Insurance Checklist really is an invaluable tool that anyone at risk for cancer, anyone with cancer, and anyone who has a loved one with cancer really should know about. It is a tool to help shoppers evaluate and compare plans coverage for cancer-related services as well as the costs associated with that coverage. So we talked about a little bit earlier about what people need to consider in terms of they're looking at health insurance plans on the insurance marketplace and it's particularly overwhelming and complex, what do they need to keep in mind, especially if they have cancer or at risk? So 19 groups came together to develop the cancer insurance checklist because this was one of the biggest issues that we heard going into passage of the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, this is great for people. Um, It's an opportunity to access quality care that is um, affordable for a variety of different people, but there's still a lot of different questions that cancer patients need to ask going into purchasing a plan. So the cancer insurance checklist has three different worksheets. They're all available online at www.cancerinsurancechecklist.org completely free. We don't even ask people to give us their information or their email unless they wish to do so. They can go online, download it for free, fill it out when they're looking at the health insurance marketplace, and help the, it helps them to make a decision. So the three different worksheets, the first is called My Care, and it looks at if the insurance plan covers provider visits, hospital stays, care centers, and medicines. And we know that um, some plans will provide this. It may be in network, it may be out of network. So it's really important to go through this list, list who your specialists are, and figure out if the plans that you're looking at cover them. So for instance, if you have breast cancer and you have an oncologist that you've worked with for a while that you're comfortable with, that you you know, enjoy and appreciate going to, you want to make sure that that oncologist is still available under the plans you're looking at. So that's just one really important example of what we're talking about. So the second worksheet is called Treatment and Health Services, and we talked a little bit about this um, earlier in the discussion. This goes through a list of all the things you need to think about when you are looking to purchase a plan. So things like primary care visits, specialists, emergency rooms, prescription medicines. We know that cancer patients have very particular needs when it comes to their prescription medicines. And if you get into a plan where that prescription medicine isn't covered, it's going to be significant out-of-pocket costs for you. So that's one of the most critical pieces of this. Also, radiation therapy, surgery, chemotherapy. Um, It goes through everything from, you know, those initial pieces that I think lots of people think about when they think about cancer, all the way to some of the other issues that they may not consider, like mental health, palliative and supportive care, physical therapy, fertility preservation. We really tried to be as comprehensive as possible without being totally overwhelming, but it really is a checklist. People can go through and say, 
this service is covered by the particular plan I'm looking at. This is my copay and my coinsurance. These services are in-network or out-of-network, and these are the limits or maximums of what I'm looking at. Which brings me to the final worksheet of the cancer insurance checklist, and it's my costs. And this helps you to go through and determine what your out-of-pocket and monthly costs in terms of premiums, what your deductibles would be. Um, if you were going through the emergency room or you have particular prescription drugs, the subsidies you could receive. The cancer insurance checklist really asks all of the questions that we think that people who are dealing with cancer in any way should be thinking about when purchasing a plan on the insurance exchange. So, again, it's uh, www.cancerinsurancechecklist.org. People can go on and download it for free. It's available in both Spanish and English. And if they go on that website, there's also a host of different resources for them to access in terms of other questions they might have, if they still are a bit confused after filling out the checklist. Um, so it's really a great place for folks to start when they're thinking about purchasing a new insurance plan. Well, and I'll also put a plug in because I was on the website not too long ago uh, looking at the resource section um, in particular, and there's actually a cost calculator. The National Health Council, they've done a nice cost calculator that people may benefit from um, as well there when they're thinking about their premiums and out-of-pockets. Absolutely. And um, in addition to the National Health Council, Get Covered America offers a cost calculator, a Kaiser Family Foundation, um, Triage Count. Cancer, um, of which Monica works for, has some really good tools, healthcare.gov. So we think the cancer insurance checklist is a really great place to start, especially for people dealing with cancer. But there's also lots of other resources if they still have questions. Great. Thank you. Um, and Monica, I want to come back to you. Um, you know, with we've already talked about some of the things that people need to, to keep in mind when they're shopping for plans. But it, it, it's, it's tough. If you're a person that has cancer or if you are at risk for cancer and you try to project what is it that I might need to think about, um, you know, how, to, how do you sort of put yourself in that place to think about, okay, I may need to predict the future uh, a little bit as I'm thinking about what's most important to me as I'm shopping? Yeah, and it can be really hard, especially when you're dealing with potentially treatments and, you know, the rest of life that we all have to deal with and upcoming, you know, the holiday season and all of that. Um, I think it's a perfectly valid question. One of the suggestions that I give to folks is to have them enlist their healthcare team. So your social workers and navigators, they want to help you, and they're the ones that really, um, I think, can help point you in the right direction. So if you've sort of done all of the things that Elizabeth has talked about and you've gone through the checklist and you've looked at a couple different plans, and you've narrowed it down a little bit, there's nothing wrong with maybe even printing out the two, you know, summary of benefits and coverage for the two different plans and taking them to your healthcare provider and asking for their opinion. I will also say that all of the marketplaces have in-person assisters available, and so these are people that you can go to that have been trained in the marketplace that can walk you through the application and walk you through all of your different options. And if you go to uh, localhelp.healthcare.gov and type in your zip code, all of the in-person assisters around you will pop up. So I definitely think that there are resources out there to get additional help, and people shouldn't feel like they're alone in making this decision. And I'm just going to repeat that website that you mentioned. It is local, all one word, localhelp.gov. 
www.healthcare.gov. Correct. Correct. Great. Thank you. And, you know, I, I'm wondering if we could get into maybe some specifics of, um, of challenges that, that either of you have, have heard. You know, you mentioned taking the checklist or the results of the checklist to your healthcare provider. Um, you know, we've heard there have been situations where, where patients are having to switch healthcare providers based on um, what's available to them on a particular plan. Um, you know, so what are the most common things that, that, that you're hearing patients um, have challenges with and, and how, are they, how are they coping with those? Well, I think, you know, the biggest challenge, and we've talked about this a little bit, is just sort of the overwhelming complexity of the healthcare system. And one of the messages that I want to make sure we get out today for people who are going online, looking at this, they're completely overwhelmed, they don't know where to go. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who asked me what the word premium meant, which Mm -hmm. is totally, I think, acceptable. I don't think people mm-hmm. should be embarrassed about the fact that they don't know what some of these words mean. You know, up until this point, a lot of people have not had to think about these things. So I, I want people to understand that this overwhelmed feeling or, you know, just confusion is completely normal. But as you all were talking about, there's lots of people who went into healthcare in order to help others. So whether it's physicians, nurses, social workers, patient navigators, there's lots Lots of people out there who can help assist. So I just don't want to see anybody go online, look at the health insurance exchange, and think, I can't do this. I don't understand. It's too expensive. You know, this is completely overwhelming. I just, I quit. It's not worth it. I'll just pay the fee. I think that people should take advantage of the opportunities and the supports that are out there, you know, whether it is Triage Cancer, the Prevent Cancer Foundation, Cancer Support Community, which offers some amazing, especially psychosocial supports. There's also groups like the Patient Advocate Foundation, which has case managers who can help guide people not only to get through this process, but also if they still have financial needs or they still are confused about different things. There are lots of resources out there available. So, Again, I think the number one concern about the healthcare marketplace and getting people into plans that are right for them is just the sheer confusion of it. It is confusing. It is complicated. I do this work every day, and I'm sure you all would say the same thing. There are still times when terms or phrases or ideas come up, and I have to go and figure out what they mean. So we're sort of all in this... We're all in this together. We want to help people to navigate this. Um, we want to be a resource, and we don't want people to feel totally overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Monica, I just want to, uh, to close out this segment by you reminding our listeners when is the deadline and what happens if they miss that deadline. So the deadline for open enrollment for 2015 is February 15th. If somebody does not have health insurance after that date, they will likely end up having to pay a penalty at the end of the year. And the penalty for this coming year is $325 or 2% of your household income. So it could be more than that $325. And I think, too, we do get caught up when we're talking about the Affordable Care Act about this penalty if you don't have health insurance. But I think the more important thing, especially for for people who are coping with cancer, is that you don't have health insurance. So that means that you don't have access to preventative services. You don't have access to great doctors and treatments and follow-up care. 
So that's really the more important piece of this, um, even though I know it's, it's easy for all of us to get caught up in how it affects our bank accounts. Um, but really, it's the important piece is we know that people having health insurance improves health outcomes. And so really, that's what it's about. Now, I do just want to mention that for people who might be listening who already have health insurance and maybe thinking, well, you know what, something could change in the year and I maybe I can't keep working and I'll lose my insurance. If that happens in the middle of the year outside of open enrollment, the marketplaces are designed to allow somebody a special enrollment period. So I don't want people to fret that if their life circumstances change outside of open enrollment, they're out of luck and they have to wait until the next one. But for everybody else, the deadline is February 15th. Great. And we have got to go to a quick commercial break, but I'm going to start back up with this theme and you, Monica, um, when we return. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and we will return with our final segment right after this break. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains, sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for Kim Tibaldo, the, C- the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, who will be with you next week. And we are wrapping up our show on open enrollment with Monica Bryant, who is the COO of Triage Cancer, and Elizabeth Hoffler, who is the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. And before we went to break, Monica, you were talking about the fact that the open enrollment period closes February the 15th, and people really need to make sure that they are covered by February the 15th if they want to have health care coverage for their, their treatments, cancer treatments or preventative services treatments in order for those to be covered. Um, 
so could you uh, could you speak a little bit more about something that you did mention, which was a, a life changing event that would allow enrollment to be opened up again for you? Could you just walk us through that, please? Sure. So as I think we all probably know, uh, our lives don't follow the deadlines that the government sets into place for us. So if somebody's in a situation where they started out the year with insurance, maybe they had insurance through their employer, and now because of their cancer treatment or their recovery, they're going to take some time off, which means that they no longer have insurance through their employer. That would be considered a life-changing event that would trigger something called a special enrollment period. And that it would give that person 60 days to go into the marketplace and shop for a new insurance plan. And so this is at any point during the year outside of open enrollment period, the open enrollment period, people could do this. Some other examples of life-changing events might be uh, getting married or divorced or maybe uh, you're a military member returning from active duty and you need health insurance or you've moved states and the old health insurance policy you have, you know, doesn't uh, operate in the new state that you're moving to. Those are all examples of life-changing events that would trigger this special enrollment period for people to get to shop for new insurance in the marketplaces outside of open enrollment. Great. Thank you. And I think the, the takeaway is, if, unless you're expecting to have a life-changing event, make sure that you get covered um, on or by the 15th. So, Elizabeth, Absolutely. with that, um, we'll have about six weeks or so, six to seven weeks or so left. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're listening to this show, what are the immediate steps that you would recommend to our listeners take? Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, I think just the fact that folks are tuning into the show, they clearly care about their own health and they care about, you know, taking care of themselves. And so I think that's an excellent first step. We call it being your own best advocate. And I think it's important to keep in mind that the number one most important thing in your entire life is going to be your health. And when Monica was talking about earlier, you know, today it may not seem to fit into your pocketbook. It may be, uh, you may think that the cost is too much, but there are supports out there to help you. So I think it's critical if people are listening to the show, they have taken a great first step. The next step is to sit down and think about what they really need in terms of how they're going to select those plans. So if cancer is a major concern in your life, if you're dealing with it, if a loved one's dealing with it, if you're at risk, and, and we haven't really talked about that, but at risk means if someone in your family has had cancer in your direct family, if you're overweight, if you smoke, um, if you've been in the sun quite a bit, there are lots of different reasons why you could be at risk of cancer. So you really have to think through those factors. But if any of those things apply to you, I think it's critical for you to sit down. I would start with the cancer insurance checklist available at cancerinsurancechecklist.org and take a look at the factors we're talking about. Again, they may seem a little bit overwhelming at first, but they're so important to think through. Just like you wouldn't take a job without thinking through all the different factors, your salary and your benefits and the flexibility, just like you wouldn't go into anything this important without considering everything that makes it as complex as it is. So sit down, go through the cancer insurance checklist. If you still have questions, you're welcome to contact any of us on the phone right now. You're welcome to get in touch with 
um, in-person assisters, like Monica said, in different states. Go to websites like Get Covered America or Kaiser Family Foundation or Triage Cancer, Patient Advocate Foundation, and get the answers to those questions you need. Six weeks, um, it's a it's a good chunk of time. It's going to allow people time to make informed decisions, but February 15th will be here before we know it. It is going to be our Valentine's Day gift, and um, I think people just need to take action. If people have a break over the holiday season, it's a great time to sit down, um, maybe have a family member who can help you, or if you're advising others, it just offers a great opportunity for you to sit down, take control of your health, be your own best advocate, and make the informed decisions, which these are going to be some of the most important decisions you make in your life, especially if you're dealing with cancer, because we know that the costs can be very expensive, we know that the treatment needs to be there, and we want to make sure that people have the doctors they want, that their prescriptions are covered, and all the things that are so necessary when dealing with cancer. So I would take control. Um, There's no better feeling than having control and being your own best advocate and getting out there and figuring out what you need to make sure that your healthcare needs are covered. Great. Thank you. And Monica, as we have about two minutes left in the show, um, what advice would you give to our listeners, especially someone who is unsure about uh, the marketplace or they don't know where to start? What What would be your advice for them to, to take action now? I mean, I would definitely echo everything that Elizabeth just said um, and just really highlight the fact that there are some phenomenal organizations out there trying to relay this incredibly complex information. I mean, it really is like learning a new language when we talk about premiums and deductibles and all of that. Um, so there's all these organizations out there doing their best to try to convey this information in an understandable way. And I think some Elizabeth mentioned some great examples. Kaiser Family Foundation, which is not cancer-specific, um, Triage Cancer uh, on our website, which is just triagecancer.org. We have a series of blogs that are designed to break down this information in an understandable way. But I think in terms of affirmative steps, again, being on this call, but really talk to your healthcare team. Um, They will point you in the right direction if you're completely lost. That is what they are there for, and they are fantastic and phenomenal people. So use them as resources. Great. Thank you. And I am just going to repeat some of the resources that we've heard on the call today. So we've heard www.cancerinsurancechecklist.org. We have heard localhelp.healthcare.gov. A number of the resources that Elizabeth mentioned and Monica mentioned are available on the cancerinsurancechecklist.org site. So I would encourage you to go there. And I know that they are direct links. And with that, our show is at a close. So Monica and Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us today to help us understand this really important topic. And as a reminder, we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The deadline is February 15th. So please make sure that you um, are visiting your uh, insurance marketplaces and you make decisions by February 15th. So thank you both for being with us today. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Monica. Thank you both. For our listeners, if you have an idea for an episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer, we invite you to share those ideas with us. Send your thoughts to news at cancersupportcommunity.org. Again, news at cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support. 
If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. You can find a location near you, along with a a lot of other materials and information that we've talked about here today. You can also call our toll-free helpline, which is 1-888-793-9355 to speak with one of our licensed mental health professionals Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.